0: Good morning church and welcome it's great to have you with us and happy mother's day and uh, a lot of you moms you're boy you're in it full time and god bless you for your faithfulness your love and your devotion so many faithful moms in cedar view i have a natural affinity toward the text that we're studying in lessons for a quarantine church part six i can't tell you the number of times that god has uh used this text to speak to weaknesses in my own heart. Over and over again, he's used it in my life. And I thought I'd share it with us on this Sunday morning. The text is 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. The title is When Faith Lacks Evidence. You'll know this story. 1 Kings 18, 41 to 46. Let me just read. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up eat and drink. For there is a sound of the rushing rain." There's the sound of the rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down to the earth and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, There's nothing, there's nothing there. And he said, go again. Seven times this happened. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. There are texts where the main idea just kind of jumps out at you. And I love this text. Go look for rain. I did. There's nothing. Then go look again. I did go again. There's nothing. Well, then go look again. There's nothing there. The text, I didn't want to bore you with repetition. I only did it three times. The text says seven times. Go look again. Victory seems to be for those who who just won't take no for an answer. The text says it all. Standing firm in the face of nothingness. Standing firm in the face of delay. Standing firm in the face of doubt. Standing firm in the face of circumstance. Holding on to a promise of God Especially when the promise is all you have. The promise plus nothing. That's that's what the story is about. Now, just back up a bit. Let's look at some of the context for the situation we just read. If you went to 1 Kings 18, uh, the first six verses, it reads like this. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go. Show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. There's the promise. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now, the famine was severe in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. That's the kind of guy Obadiah is. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and the mules alive and not lose some of the animals. And so they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself. Obadiah went in another direction by himself. So there's the story. The land has been buried in dust. It's been buried in dust for three years. Obadiah is desperately trying just to find enough water to keep some of the animals alive. Food supplies are drying up. The lakes, the streams, the ponds, they're nothing but dust. And the sand and the dust, they get in your eyes, they get in your nose, they get in your lungs. It was an ugly time. And the land was filled with skeptics about the future. Doubt, fear, pessimism filled the land. The mood was ugly at this time. It wasn't the best time to go around predicting cloudbursts. The attitude of Elijah's servant was typical. There's nothing. I went and looked. There's nothing. There never will be anything. Let's not kid ourselves about future rain. There's nothing there, Elijah. Passage is full of lessons that I just dearly love. Let me share some of them with you. Faith never grows when times are easy. You you go through the entire Bible and you'll find that when the whole land, various times, various seasons, different kinds of circumstances, but when the whole land is full of negative reports, God will almost always raise up a man or a woman of faith. He, He just seems to look for people who are, more influenced by the power of his word than the spirit of the age. Faith is always going to be bombarded by pessimistic reports. That's the way it works. Faith will always be challenged by the downward pull of circumstances, the downward pull of culture, the downward pull of the crowd. There's nothing. You're going to face that every day of your life. There's, there's uh, a challenge here for people who have not yet reached middle age. Let me speak to you. You're going to hear it every day in high school, in college, in university. The Bible is a collection of myths. Religion is just a crutch. There's no God except the one that exists in your mind. There's a whole system out there that's designed to teach you there's nothing. There's nothing shaping your future except you. You have to trust solely in yourself that you make up your own rules as you go along. You make up your own life as you go along. This world wants you ignoring there is God. Do you know how to stand against that when all you're hearing is there's nothing? There's nothing out there. Are you going to accept that as your final answer? Do you know how to stand against the tide? Do you know how to sort of satisfy your own heart in God and give a reason for the hope that is in you when nobody else seems interested? Boy, I think the church, this church, is desperate for a rising generation who can, who can just carry their own weight for Jesus in this world. Keep your hope in the Lord. Send the experts back to the blackboard with their empty theories there are always going to be particular times of spiritual challenge and difficulty. Unless you're just some kind of bleary-eyed dreamer or maybe just a brand new babe in Christ, you'll know what I mean when I say there are times in life just like the weather in our text. There are times when the whole universe seems to shout that there is no hope for rain in the middle of this drought. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's where your mind is right now. You've been praying for that situation to get better and it's getting worse. You've, you've been thirsty for some kind of fresh cloud burst of hope on your dark circumstances and you're choking down nothing but dust. Yeah. In short, it just doesn't feel like high tide in your walk with God. You see other people with their glowing stories of faith and power and miracle. And while you might try and fake it on the outside, you just feel more out of season than in season in your soul. Elijah. Elijah could identify with all of that. This day had started out in a pretty dynamic way for Elijah. He had just come down from the mountain. The fire had just fallen. Remember the story. The false prophets had been eliminated. His prayers had been answered. There was no waiting. There was no delay. There was no lack of evidence. Everything had been so quick, so dramatic, so decisive, so obvious. Now it's all different. It's completely different. Now Elijah stands all alone. And if you're going to follow Jesus in this world, there are times you just have to stand all alone. Nobody even seems to remember the victory on the mountain. Nobody shares Elijah's conviction and his confidence. Everybody's talking now in the opposite direction of faith and hope. And so if Elijah's going to stand up for God, well, he's just going to have to do it all by himself. And, and so he prays. Get this. He prays just like he prayed up on the mountain when the fire fell. He prays just like that. Only nothing happens. And so he prays again. And nothing happens. And so he prays again. And nothing happens. And so And so he prays again and nothing happens. Every time he prays, he gets the same response. He has a promise from God, but every time they look up into the sky, nothing. And what I want to leave you with all my heart, what I want to leave with you is it's, it's what you do next. It sets the direction of your soul. And that leads into the second point I have. Sometimes you have to believe before you see. Oh, everyone would believe God after the rain fell. Oh, sure. They'd all praise. They'd all trust him once the gullies were gushing with cool, clear water. They'd all trust God once he gave them exactly what They asked for, but the Bible says faith is the evidence of things not seen. I know many times life can be difficult. I'm just like you. I have a lot of days, I've said it before, I have a lot of days where I'd be perfectly happy to grow a beard and move to San Francisco and sell real estate. I notice Pastor Ron and Tom, they're all growing beards, but they're not selling real estate. I know. I know from experience, sometimes you're the bug and sometimes you're the windshield. But I'll tell you, there, there's something, God has used this over and over again in my weak life. There's something growing inside me that just loves the fiber of this man, Elijah. You go look at the sky and look for rain, but there's nothing, there is no rain. Then go look again because God said he'd send rain And it's going to rain. What a text. No. Now this isn't just some kind of wishful thinking on Elijah's part. This isn't some positive confession where he's going to make something happen just by his faith speech. No. Faith isn't make-believe and it isn't pretending. There's a lot, way too much pretending in Christianity already. That's not what faith's all about. The important point in this account we're studying right now is that God told Elijah that he was going to send rain. So Elijah isn't just hoping and he isn't just imagining and he's not just running around, it's raining, it's raining when it isn't raining. He's not pretending. Nope. The power isn't in Elijah's confession. The power is in God's Promise, And I just, I love this man. He just keeps relying on God's word. He just stays steady when everyone else has given up. He just keeps praying and trusting and looking for that promised reign. I love it. It's not easy. There are many times they come to all of us. There are all sorts of times, maybe you're there now, where it's easier to doubt than to believe. That's why it's called the fight of faith. It's easier to complain and grumble than to keep believing. The person who has to have the answer before he trusts the Lord, he's in big trouble. He's in big trouble because drought can be long. Viruses can last a long time. Drought can be hard. It can be stubborn. And if you just live your life by feelings and emotions and blessings, you're going to quit and go home. Just continue to look to God to keep your life anchored in his promise. There's no magic. You just stay there until the rain comes. Refuse afterthoughts. Refuse to budge. There's nothing. Then go look again. It's going to rain. Point number three, I want you to see this is the pattern, not just of this one marvelous story, but it's the pattern of faith in the Old and New Testament. There's another account. Let me just read it quickly. It's in Acts chapter 27, verses 17 to 27. So 10 verses. We're hearing about Paul's story in shipwreck. And after hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground in the citrus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since they were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope for our being saved was abandoned. There it is. All hope of our being saved was abandoned. There's nothing. Same thing. There's nothing. Since we had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. Now listen to his words. There will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. How do you know this? Well, for this very night there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, quote, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart. This is Paul speaking. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. So all hope had been abandoned, we read earlier. Paul, I have faith in God that it will be exactly as he said. So everyone was filled with panic. Every wave was saying, All hope is gone. There was nothing to hold on to in the situation. The cargo had been thrown overboard. Nothing to hold on to except, except Paul has a promise and he won't let go of it. This is a day when such people are desperately needed in the body of Christ. We need people who have good hope in the promise of God. We need people who don't lose their head when everyone else is. Here's another text, Psalm 112, six and seven. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Evil news can come, evil days do come. The psalmist lived in the real world, but still chooses to believe in the goodness of the Lord, even in the middle of bad times. And he says that gives steadfastness. The last point. I want to look at how the New Testament treats the text that we've been preaching on from 1 Kings, because the New Testament talks about that account. Evidently, as the Holy Spirit inspired different writers of the New Testament, the Spirit of God felt that this account, this prayer for rain was important and relevant. And it's brought right before the whole church as an important reminder of prayer and faith. That happens in James chapter 5, 16 and 17. James writes and says, therefore, confess your sins to one another Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then these words. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. So the Bible tells us several things about Elijah and his prayer for rain. Here's some closing thoughts. A, he was more jealous for God's glory than anything else. See, that's why, that's why he prayed, before he prayed for rain, he prayed that it would not rain. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. What would make him pray that? He prayed that because the people were worshiping idols. Elijah couldn't stand it. So so God's glory mattered to Elijah more than all the lost livestock, all the lost crops, the drying up of the, the, the waters. None of that mattered to Elijah as much as the people are worshiping idols. I cannot live with it. No wonder God answers his prayer. He's a righteous man in the truest sense whose the the heartbeat of this man's life is that God be glorified above all. That's what makes Elijah pray. You can't fake faith. You, You can't just muster it up at the last moment when you've really got a problem and you know faith seems to be the ticket to get some kind of answer. It doesn't work like that. You can't just muster up faith at the last minute when you face some huge trial. Faith lives and thrives in the soul that anchors all of life in this deep, passionate love for God's glory above all. You, ultimately, you can't pray higher than you live. B. James says Elijah was a man who prayed with passion. I like that. I mean that's James point in James 5:16 and 17. It's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Says says in the text that Elijah prayed seven times with his head between his knees. Literally literally doubled over in his crying out to God. You you can feel the weight of his prayer. How do you measure passion in prayer? Volume? No, probably not. But I do think there are two key ingredients. First, the willingness to put other things aside. And secondly, a refusal to be deterred. C. Last point. James says Elijah was a man just like you and I. So you know what James is doing, don't you? He's anticipating my objection. He's anticipating someone like me saying, sure, Elijah got answers to his prayer. He's also a prophet. He raised the dead back to life a couple of times. He was fed by ravens. He toppled kingdoms. He called fire down from heaven twice. But I'm a plumber. I'm a pastor, I'm an architect, I'm a banker, I'm a homemaker, I'm not Elijah. Don't don't miss James' point that Elijah was a person with the same kind of passions as you and I have. A man of like passions, that's what James says. You, You don't have to be a special person to do what I'm talking about, to keep trusting in the promise of God. You don't have to be a perfect person to expect God to work when you pray, though the devil will tell you otherwise every time you bend your knees. But you do have to stick with it. No wonder the Bible says, don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Chuck it. In keeping it, there is great reward. But there's that time element. I did go look for rain. There's nothing there. Go again. I did. There's nothing there. Go again. And, and you get this. Don't you get the feel of Jesus' words? You just knock until it's open. You seek until you find. In keeping it, there's great reward. Underline those words in keeping, keeping. Keeping. You have to keep your confidence in the Lord. You have to keep it. It doesn't just stay with you automatically. Sometimes you have to believe before you see. And so, for all of us at this time, go look again. It's going to rain. Let's pray. What a story from your word. Filled with hope that carries us through our own weaknesses. Teaching us confidence in God. I pray for Cedarview Community Church. I pray that there be no one who would cast away his or her confidence because it will have great reward. And every time you go and look and you feel like there's nothing, we just want to hear your spirit say, like Elijah, go look again. Go look again. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. We trust in your good grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.